change change your plans i always tell people prayers are getting our will done in heaven it's linking up hands with god to get his will done on earth so sometimes god when we pray says no and that's his prerogative because he's god and if we trust him then we're okay with that even though we may not like the outcome but we should still say i don't know how many times i said god i want you to do this now god i'm not gonna we can't play reverse psychology with god can we say lord i, I really don't want that false repentance when you're sorry for what you've done until you're off the hook that's what pharaoh does after asking moses to tell god to remove the rotting frogs from egypt as pastor daniel will say when we pause in obedience often we never get around to it today we'll find out why we can't wait until tomorrow and in fact we need a sense of urgency for god's intervention Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, The Plagues. Oftentimes when God has us praying, then he starts to use us as well. He did that with with his disciples, Jesus did. Jesus said, listen, I want you to pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his field. And in the next chapter, Jesus sends them all out. So listen, don't pray if you don't want God to use you. Okay? So if if you don't want to go there, then don't come to the prayer meeting. But if you're like, Lord, I really want you to use my life, then come to the prayer meeting. Come. Seek the Lord. Say, God, I don't have a clue what you want to do in my life, but I'm just going to hear, I'm going to pray. And if you're like, look, I've never prayed in public, then don't worry. You can sit there and not say anything, and no one will say anything unless you fall asleep. And then a brother or sister will give you a pillow. And then I'll pray really loud to wake you up. But seriously, something happens when we pray. Satan never is looking to alleviate people's suffering, but the people of God are always, always looking to find ways to alleviate human suffering. And as the people of God, as Christians, we have a lot of work to do. That's why I think Jesus hasn't come back yet. Because we got a lot of work he wants us to do still. And don't get me wrong, his return is one day sooner than when we first believed. But if he's going to tarry, as I always say, since Jesus is not back yet, let's get to work. We have infinite number of things. There's so much human suffering on this globe, on so many places, areas of all different sizes. Maybe you have a heart for children. Child poverty is a huge problem. Children in Africa dying of malaria because they don't have malaria nets. Let's get to work to try and fix it. You're like, oh, well, let's forget Africa. Let's talk about what's going on here. Yeah, Portland is is a hub city for human trafficking. We need to do some work about that. We need to do work with women who've been kidnapped and gotten involved in that. We need to work with men because the reason women get kidnapped is because men will pay for sex. We've got a lot of work to do for all of us, no matter how old, how young, how educated or uneducated. God's not looking for abilities. He's looking for availability. And God equips the called. I just took two examples, and we could do this forever. 
All the different things, child illiteracy, people dying of starvation while we're dying of obesity. I mean, there's a lot of work to do. And I'm grateful Jesus isn't back yet. I'm like, Lord, when there is a great issues, then we have great opportunities to be agents of grace, agents of reconciliation. The magicians, they're not bringing out nice, clean, cold, purified water. They're just making more blood that nobody can drink. So this is a mess. The Nile is bloody. All the fish are dead and the place stinks. We end in verse 25. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. Now in chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the house of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants and your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. And the frog shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people, and they shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses out of the courtyards and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. He did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now, frogs. There was the Egyptian god, Heket, H-E-Q-E-T, the goddess of birth, had a frog head. Now, you see what's going on here? It's, it's, fro it's frogs. Now, you ever have a frog in your oven? Only those of you who are like, you know, foodies, you do delicacies like frog legs. But what, what he's saying is, listen, the river's going to bring forth frogs. Now, you notice, frogs aren't necessarily bad. You just don't want them everywhere. Right? That's, that's the issue. And he says, listen, there's going to be a supernatural infestation of frogs. That's what's going to happen. Now, you know what's interesting about this? I want to read you Revelation chapter 16, the sixth bowl judgment. And I want, to, I want to just throw something out there for you 
and we'll let you do with it what you will. But let me read this to you. Revelation 16, verses 12 to 16. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle on that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now you notice this. The sixth bowl, frogs are coming out of the mouth of the dragon. And if you read the book of Revelation, some teachers will tell you, what everything means, and I always laugh because nobody knows what all this stuff means, really. Only the Lord knows. But everybody has a, a, a tried and true interpretation, and this is the only way it's going to happen, and I'm not so sure about that. But what I do know is I do think it's interesting that frogs are coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Now, why do I think it's interesting? Because in this whole section, the word frogs, it's actually, in this, it's actually singular. It just says frog. Now, why do I think that's interesting? Because according to the Talmudic tradition of the Midrash, now I even can even give you, it's called the Midrash says, page 64, out of the river hopped a hideous, supersized frog. Hashem gave the Egyptians one last opportunity to repent. The Egyptians brought weapons and sticks with which to kill the monstrous frog. Instead of falling dead, it opened its mouth wide and spit out legions of baby frogs. It let out a shrill whistle, and at this sign, armies of frogs came tumbling out of the river, accompanied by the other sea reptiles with huge mouths and teeth. They formed a procession and marched. Now, sometimes if you read the rabbis, you think those rabbis were eating some funky mushrooms. But I remember reading that in the Midrash and thinking to myself, you know, that's kind of interesting. Because right as I read it, I thought to myself, wait, one frog came out and all these frogs come out of his mouth. I read this somewhere before. The sixth bowl judgment. Where now you have frogs coming out of the dragon's mouth. Now, I just bring it out there because oftentimes, God doesn't need to recreate the way he judges. If it works well once, it works well again. So this judgment of frogs, we're going to see it again. But you see what happens. Again, he goes to see Pharaoh in his palace. He says, let the people go. Pharaoh says, no, I'm going to bring frogs. Aaron is involved with the staff of God, and they bring forth frogs, and they are everywhere, everywhere, in their houses, in their courtyards, in their palaces, in their kitchens, cabinets, you name it, there's frogs there. Now, notice what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh comes and he says, entreat the Lord that he may take away, this is verse 8, that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people and I will let the people go. This is a classic case of false repentance. He has no intention of letting the people go, but he says, come and intercede for me. I know it's interesting. Moses says, okay, well, listen, tell me when you want them to go. And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And Moses says, okay. And you've got to figure that Pharaoh's probably thinking to himself, why didn't I say today, right? He just wanted one more night with froggies. Little Kermit, just want, you know, one more night with Kermit in my bed. I mean, 
But listen, oftentimes we can learn from this. I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they're like, oh, I just need to quit smoking cigarettes. I'm like, yeah, you do. When are you going to quit? Oh, tomorrow. I'm like, well, why don't you just quit right now? Just give me the cigarettes. I'll throw them out for you right now. Oh, tomorrow. And you know what happens tomorrow? You say tomorrow. Don't wait for tomorrow what you could do right now. It's a good lesson. Don't put off for tomorrow what you need to do right now. Because you know what I found? When we pause in obedience, oftentimes we never get back to it again. Taking steps of faith function that way. Pharaoh could have said, I want these things gone right now. And they would have been gone. According to his own word, he got the opportunity. But he didn't. He said, tomorrow. He said, tomorrow. Now, Moses says to him, let it be according to your word. And you'll know this, that you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. He's like, tomorrow the frogs will go. Now notice, in verse 12, then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And so the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. Notice this. This is what you call the ministry of intercession. And I'm going to close just with this little section here. I want to help teach us about intercession. Why? Because I believe intercession is a lost art. I believe that prayer is a spiritual discipline. And I believe that the spiritual discipline of intercessory prayer is one of the lost arts. The reason it's a lost art is because the only person who knows if you do it is the Lord himself. That's the only person who knows. And most often, we really would rather the praise of other people than the praise of God himself. So intercession, it's a secret discipline. Nobody knows that you do it except the only person who really matters, which is the Lord, who knows everything. Notice, it says that Moses went out. The ministry of intercession is about being alone with God. Sure, you can intercede in a group of people. But I think that real wrestling with the Lord, that seeking God on behalf of somebody else, the only time that could be done is in private. In private. I'm not against corporate prayer meetings. I think we should get to all of them. But a ministry of intercession oftentimes happens alone. It's, it's, it's a personal one-on-one dealing with God. Notice Moses cried out. This speaks of fervor or urgency. It wasn't, hey, Lord, you know, would you just kind of take care of this? There is a passion to it. Why is there a passion? Because there is an urgency. Moses just said, the frogs are going to go tomorrow, that you may know that the Lord is God. Listen, when you make bold statements like that, when God leads you, you better pray fervently, right? Like you think about Elijah on Mount Carmel. There's 350 prophets of Baal, and then there's Elijah. And Elijah, and he's like, look, you guys go first. And they're all crying out, and he's making fun of the the God Baal, he's saying, what, your, your God go to use the restroom? Maybe you got to scream a little louder. The prophets of Baal are cutting themselves. Cutting themselves. And so Elijah ends up going out there, and you know he prays with fervency. Because God's name is on the line. Let me ask, when was the last time you prayed with God's name on the line? See, the ministry of intercession is about urgency. And I pray that we have a sense of spiritual urgency. You know what? Because we need it. We live in a broken world. And I love being alive. And I love being an American. But listen, our world is busted. 
all over God's beautiful creation, it's broken. And if we don't have a sense of urgency, then who will? Who will? So he cry, Moses doesn't say, hey, Lord, just kind of fix this. He cries out. There is fervency. And notice, he prays concerning the frogs. The ministry of intercessory prayer is specific. It's not a generalized prayer. It's saying, God, I am asking you to do this specific thing. Saying, God, I am asking you to see this person come to know you, to revolutionize their life. And Lord, as I'm praying for them, I believe you're actually going to use me as part of that process for them. Maybe the entire process. But the ministry of intercession is a ministry of praying specifically for things. I encourage you, if you don't keep a journal, I mean... We have so much technology. You can keep a journal however you want. I got a journal on my iPad. I got like nine of them. You got one I can write things down when I want to be old school. And keep a prayer journal because there's nothing quite like when you pray for something specifically and then God answers. There's nothing like, wow, I asked God to do this specific thing. And you know what? He didn't only do this. He did this, this, and this as well. That blows your mind. But oftentimes we have short memories, don't we? We forget. We prayed for this thing and then God gives it to us and Two weeks later, we wish we didn't get it. So the ministry of intercession, it's alone with God. He went out. It's with fervency and urgency. He's crying out, and it's specific. I want to encourage you, pray specific prayers. Don't be scared to say, God, I believe you want to do X, Y, and Z. Not my will, but yours be done. But Lord, will you do X, Y, and Z? And what I want you to do, I want you to write down those prayers. And we'll see what God's going to do. But if, you, if we always pray generally, if we always pray generally, then we never know because we're not willing to say, God, I'm going to step out in faith and trust you that you're really God. And that God, obviously, I know I can't change, change your plans. I always tell people, prayer isn't getting our will done in heaven. It's linking up hands with God to get his will done on earth. So sometimes God, when we pray, says no. And that's his prerogative because he's God. And if we trust him, then we're okay with that, even though we may not like the outcome. But we should still say, I don't know how many times I've said, God, I want you to do this. Now, God, I'm not going to, we can't play reverse psychology with God, can we? Say, Lord, I, I really don't want that. But we've prayed that way. I've prayed that way. You guys prayed that way? I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks we're going to pull an end around on the Lord. Ah, Lord, your will be done. I don't really care. And when each side your heart's beating like, you're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> Pray specifically. Pray specifically. And then say, God, obviously, not, I'm not, it's not about my specific prayer. It's about your will done. But I believe you want to do this. Do you know what happens when God says no to a specific prayer? We learn about him. Because he might say, the reason I said no was X, Y, and Z. So for God, it's not so much about us getting what we want. It's about us growing relationships. The meaning of life is a question as old as the stars. People have been asking this question more and more for thousands of years. And, and yet God the is answer good. is but all when you don't around pray specific us. Prayers, to understand you never the meaning to learn and purpose of life, you, get, you must well, have a personal hey, relationship whatever, with Jesus. And, Lord gave and then me whatever. God okay, will open the doors for you to walk with him and serve him. There are at least so two things that every Christian should be doing. First, worshiping God with everything they have in our. And second, telling other people about Jesus. 
Why? Because Jesus is real. I realize that worshiping God is easier than telling other people about it. There's no condemnation. It can be scary, but each one of us has unique roles to play. And one of the things you can do to help get the gospel out is to partner with somebody who wants to tell them. Now listen, I want you to pray about partnering with Jesus' Real Radio to get the gospel out over the radio airwaves. I believe that God has called me to proclaim the gospel and I am a radio missionary. God wants to tell the entire world that Jesus is real. So I'm asking you to seek the Lord about partnering with us here at Jesus is Real Radio in this missionary endeavor. With your help, we will continue to expand and reach the nations with the message that Jesus is real. Here is Josh with information you need to partner with us in this missionary work. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Yes, we do ask that you pray about partnering with us so here at Jesus you is tell Real. Popular Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the partner the option from the main menu. There you can Jesus give a one-time gift or support Jesus Is Real Radio on a monthly basis. Again, to support Jesus Is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on partner. And don't forget to join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through God's Word. Right there was here ever a on time Jesus is real that radio. We needed that. And not only in America land, everywhere land. We need it now. We need it now. I love this because Moses intercedes, and what happens? Exactly what Moses asked for. Notice verse 13. The Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died, and they gathered together in heaps, and the land stank. But when the Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. He did not heed them as the Lord has said. Notice that. The key to false repentance, how you know it's happening, is when somebody gets relief and then they back off. And how many times have we done that? Lord, if you do this thing, I will serve you. And then God does this thing and two months later, nowhere to be found. That's how you know it's false repentance. There's no follow-through. You just want God to be a vending machine. Now listen, I realize that for all of us, we all have God as a vending machine as part of our mentality. But the key is, is when we seek the Lord hard and we get relief, the key is to keep seeking him hard. God, God's amazing when we're in a pinch. God is even more amazing in the midst of our mundane. God does amazing things when we're in trouble. But God does even more amazing things when we seek him every single day. We walk with him every single day. And my hope and prayer is that we all grow in that. Not just when we're in a pinch. Not to say that you shouldn't seek him in a pinch. Because he shows up wonderfully at those times. But man, there's nothing more wonderful than when God shows up in the midst of a sunny day. And blows your mind. It's already, everything's going wonderful. And then before you know it, you're you're dancing down the, the block. But man, when God shows up on a sunny day, it's glorious. It's amazing. And I believe that God wants all of us to be seeking Him. Jesus said, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what? All these things will be Jesus is real. Hey, 
everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here, and I'm excited and humbled that you're listening to Jesus is Real Radio. When I was first approached about starting a radio ministry, it was kind of a humbling and terrifying experience. But people keep telling me, they say, Pastor Daniel, Jesus is Real is a special program. There's something so personal about it. There's something so street level about it. You're not afraid to explore both how messy life is and who Jesus really is and what he's up to in the world today. And as we started the program, we're seeing Jesus is Real Radio expand at a very rapid pace. There's not a week that doesn't go by that we're not approached by different radio programs and television programs saying, we want to put Jesus is Real on. But listen, we need your help in order to do that. We believe that God wants us to bring Jesus is Real global. We want everyone in the entire earth to hear the message that Jesus is real. Now listen, in order for us to do that, we would need your help. Jesus is Real Radio is an outreach ministry of Crossroads Community Church, the wonderful church that I get the privilege of being a pastor at in Vancouver, Washington. And the body of Crossroads sees the radio ministry as an extension of our mission's effort. So join us in reaching the world with this message. Here's Josh with some information about how you can get further involved. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Yes, we encourage you to pray about getting involved with the ministry here at Jesus is Real Radio with a one-time gift or perhaps even monthly support. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option to begin supporting Jesus is Real Radio. And please join us next time for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.